When I was in grade nine, I accidentally ended up taking drama. <laughs> and it was sort of by default this happened because I needed to have an arts credit and both visual arts and music just weren't options for different reasons, and so I ended up in drama. And I am a introverted person. I was at a new school where I didn't really know anybody except my sister, and all of a sudden I'm in drama class, and we're doing things like improv, and it just, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. And I would arrive for this class every week just full of anxiety, full of dread for what it was going to include. Not looking forward to it. But as it went on in this class, my teacher in drama had us do this particular exercise that she called uh, relaxation time. So what this entailed was we would arrive at class, and when it was a day where we were going to have relaxation time, we all needed to find a spot to lay down on our backs on the carpet in the room um, and then like listen to her while she guided us through this relaxation exercise. So the first time that this <laughs> happened, I've already arrived at drama, not really pleased about being there, and then she's like, everyone, now lay down on the ground as I dim the lights. And I was like, what is happening? Like, this is a terrible idea. But we lay down on the ground, and then she dimmed the lights, and she starts talking to us about what it means to relax our bodies. And she walked us through this exercise where kind of one like, section of our body at a time, we would tense, 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 tense. So like starting with your feet, tense, 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 and then intentionally release. And then she would do this through like each different kind of section of our bodies. So the whole first time that this is happening, I'm thinking, this is not okay. I feel incredibly uncomfortable. Why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Not relaxed, definitely not relaxed in the whole first exercise. But as we kept going through the year, we did this in a regular rhythm. I don't know how often, but for sure once every week or two weeks, we would lay down on the ground <laughs> during our drama period and walk through this same relaxation exercise. And as it went over the course of the year, it shifted. My experience of it shifted. And it started to be that I looked forward to this relaxation exercise. It started to be that I could feel the tangible difference in my body as I went through the rest of the day after I had had this experience. And then I started to really um, like long for it, look forward to it, like appreciate it, need it as a practice as I went through the year. And in grade 10, I voluntarily signed up for drama. Uh, because I wanted to keep doing <laughs> the relaxation exercises as part of my rhythm. So we're going to talk today about rhythms of sacrificial living. Um, and as we get into that, I wonder if you will humor me for a minute. I won't make you lie on the ground um, in the dark, but I wonder if just for a minute, for a few seconds, if you can tense your whole body wherever you're sitting. So if you're here in Oakville, or you're watching at one of our sites, or you're at home watching on the live stream, wherever you are, for a minute, tense your whole body, just tense every muscle you can think of, tense, 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 and hold it, hold it, hold it, and then release and let your body feel the difference between one way of being and a different way of being. In this series about our sacrificial savior, we have been coming on quite a journey, all the way back from Leviticus, which brought us through to Easter, where we gave our attention to the cross as our focal point, as our everything, as the center of all of the reasons why we do what we do, 
Last week, Jimmy was talking to us about the table and how this is a place that Jesus invites us to be in a new way, to be together in a way that is different, that causes us to become an unstoppable force of good. And today, as we wrap up our Sacrificial Savior series, we want to talk about the basin. And we're going to get later into John 13, where we talk about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. We want to look at what it means for us, as the people of Jesus, to enter into rhythms of sacrificial living, to follow what he modeled for us, to listen to what he invites us to. And so we're going to start by grounding ourselves in a couple of verses from Romans chapter 12, where Paul is talking about what it means to live sacrificially, to be living sacrifices. So let's read these verses together. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we want to notice for a minute some of the language that Paul is using in these verses to draw our attention to what it means to be living sacrifices. We've learned quite a bit, talked quite a bit about the old sacrificial system that is no more. And instead, Jesus invites us to offer our lives and the way that we engage with our lives as our sacrifice, as the way that we align ourselves with his invitation for us and his way of being. And so, but you see in the language some of what it means to live in a sacrificial way in the words that Paul chooses. Paul's talking about how the old way isn't going to be the way anymore, that we're not going to copy the behaviors and customs of the way that we knew before or the way that people who aren't following Jesus are living. This is going to be new. It's going to be different. It's going to be more fully what God intends us what God intends for us, and that we can't do both. We can't live in the old way and in the new way. And if you think about how your body feels, the difference, you can't be tense and you can't be relaxed. You have to know the difference between the old way and the new way that we're entering into. Also, when we're talking about this invitation into the sacrificial life, it's not something to be taken lightly. And we'll kind of see that as we go through the rhythms and the practices and the way that Jesus talks to us about it. It's not um, a suggestion. It's not just like, oh, that's a nice idea. This is the way that Jesus modeled for us. It's the way that he has shown us to be. And he says that if we're going to be his people, if we're going to walk in his way, then this is the direction that we need to go. But we also want to remember at the same time, even as we hear the weight of the invitation and the urgency around it, I noticed when I was reading these verses this time how Paul is pleading. He says, I plead with you. There's significance here. There's importance here. There's urgency. But at the same time that we hold that, the weight of this invitation towards the sacrificial way, we also want to hold and remember and balance who it is that's asking us. 
So it's Jesus that is giving us this invitation. And so when he's saying, this is the way that I have for you, come and walk in it, it is an invitation of love and gentleness. It is an invitation that means that he is going to be walking with us in that way every step. And so we want <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, hold both of those things at the same time that it really matters, and also that God is with us. And as we talk about it today in terms of this rhythm and a practice, that it is a practice. I love the term spiritual practices because it means that we're still practicing (laughs) and we don't know how to do it yet. We're still learning. We're still in process. It's not, we're not spiritually experts but we are practicing. And so with that gentleness, with that significance, it's also something that we wanna continue, continually be practicing, continually be walking in. I love in um, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, He talks about an example um, that has really stuck with me over many years, where he's telling a story about how he's drinking his coffee in the morning, um, like in his pajamas, he's drinking his coffee, and he's watching um, different people kind of go for their morning run through the park by his house. And so he's seeing these people out of his window going for their run, he's drinking his coffee, and he's thinking, oh, like, that's so lovely going for a run. It's so lovely. Like, what a nice life it is to be a runner. I like, I I aspire to that. I admire that. It seems like a really good thing. But then upon further self-reflection, as he realizes like where he's sitting, still in his pajamas with his coffee, um, that he kind of admires the life of a runner from a distance, but he was not in a place where he was ready to say yes to the lifestyle of a runner. So he starts imagining and thinking about the way that he spent his evening the night before, staying up really late, eating all kinds of snacks, watching TV, um, and then how he's spending his morning, you know, restful, casual, enjoying his coffee, taking his time. Well, the person who is outside doing the run has adopted a really different rhythm of life, probably, he's assuming in the story, about how they spent their evening as well as how they spent their morning. And so he starts to make this connection between sometimes we want to say yes to the life of a runner, but maybe we don't want to say yes to the lifestyle of the runner. And he draws the connection for us as people of Jesus that sometimes we want to say yes to the way of Jesus, to the life of Jesus. I wanna live a life of love. I wanna live in a way that reflects the heart of who Jesus is. But maybe we have a harder time saying yes to the lifestyle that Jesus modeled for us, to the way of being in the world that looks like Jesus. And I think it's good questions to ask ourselves where we find, not with weight, not with guilt, not with pressure, but with invitation, where Jesus is saying, I want you to have this life that I have intended you for as my people who I love, and I'm going to show you the way to get there. Look at me, watch me, I'll show you how to do it, and it is going to be good. So we want to spend a bit of time talking about two practices. Of course, living into rhythms of sacrificial living, living into the way of Jesus is kind of what we spend all of our time talking about, hopefully. So there's no way that we'll capture all the pieces of it in one morning. But we want to kind of focus in on two rhythms, on two practices that Jesus invites us to that will reflect the sacrificial way. And the first one that we want to talk about is the rhythm of rest for our souls and particularly the rhythm of Sabbath. 
So when Jesus is laying out what it looks like to walk in his way, what it looks like to live um, into what he has for us, one of the things that comes up through the whole narrative of scripture is the significance of rest, the significance of stopping, the significance of ceasing to have effort and work as our focus, and instead to just be as the people of God, to rest with him, to delight in his presence, and to learn so many things in that space that is different than what we know. Sabbath reorients us to the truest version of who we are actually made to be, and that we are not defined by what we do or what we achieve or by any role or title that we have in our life, but that even when we are doing nothing, even when we are simply resting and being, that our full identity is that we are beloved children of God, that all of our worth, that all of our identity, that all of our purpose, everything is fully there when we're just being and we don't have to be doing. But it's very hard for us as humans to remember that. It's very hard for us to live into the reality of that. And God knows that about us, about how he has made us. And so he builds into his way for us this practice of Sabbath, where we intentionally stop doing and can just be. That we can be with God, that we can be with people that we love, that we can be and delight in our lives. Jesus calls us to this directly in Matthew chapter 11. And these are maybe some really familiar verses to us, but for me, even though I've heard them a lot of times, every time I hear them, it's something that I need to hear again. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this, "'Come to me, all of you who are weary "'and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Jesus invites us into Sabbath as a form of resistance against the old way of being, against the previous way that we have lived before we've moved into the lifestyle of Jesus, as a resistance against that to say, we don't need to work and work and work um, because we're worried that we won't have enough. Jesus says, I am enough and I will provide and you can trust me and you can just be, you can rest and just be and reorient yourselves to the way that I have called you to. But we resist, <laughs> we resist. Maybe even right now, as we talk about this maybe familiar idea, you can feel your own tension rising. You can feel your own body tightening. You can feel yourself saying, how is this a thing that we could possibly actually do? It doesn't make sense in the rhythms of our life. There's, this is a nice idea of a life, but how does it fit with the lifestyle that we actually live? And I am with you, I am with you. It is a very hard thing. It's not an easy thing because it requires adjustments to the way that we live in order to say yes to this way of Jesus. But friends, we wanna remember who is asking us to do this and we wanna remember why. Jesus is asking us to enter into this rhythm of living because he knows us and because he loves us. 
And he has shown us that saying yes to the sacrificial, sacrificial way of living is the way that is good. It is the way that leads to life. He did it, and we can do it with his help. So I wonder if we can take a minute to, in our bodies, feel the difference. We can't practice Sabbath together on a Sunday morning, but we can take a minute to pause um, and kind of orient ourselves towards what that looks like. So I'd invite you to just put a hand on your chest as a reminder that you are here and you can just be. And if you're comfortable, you can just close your eyes and take a couple of deep, slow breaths. Become aware of how God's presence is with us and listen to the invitation to a rhythm of Sabbath, to a rhythm of rest for your soul, that the Spirit wants to speak to you. As you breathe and as you feel your hand on your chest, reminding you that you are loved, that you can just be can you open up your mind and your spirit to the question of what would a rhythm of rest look like in your life, in your week? How could you create space and room to really be still in the presence of God? And can you picture in your mind a place where you are at rest? Maybe it's a real place that you know where you just breathe deeper, where your muscles just relax a little bit more easily, where you just feel at ease to be yourself. Picture this place, if it's real or imaginary, this place of rest, this place of receiving and how God wants to meet you in that place. Ask God to show you what a next step in saying yes to the rhythm of rest would look like for you right now in this season. Amen. Take a breath and we'll come back to each other. The second practice that we want to talk about this morning is connected to the first. And so if the first practice is about resting, about being, about receiving from God, the second practice, the second rhythm that we want to look to is about moving to the other. It is about being given. It is about serving. And that this is another huge piece of what Jesus invites us to as we walk in his way. Jesus models for us over and over again what it is to be given, to be given to the point of death. But even before that, Jesus is giving his life to the people that he loves over and over and over again. And as people of Jesus, he invites us to do that as well. A few weeks ago, when Quincy was starting into the Sacrificial Savior series, he was talking about the difference between the way of empire 
and how the way of empire is one of centralized power. And I think about it as whoever is at the center is in, part of the core, part of the center, part of empire, and anybody outside of that is out, excluded and othered in all kinds of ways. And the way of Jesus says we move away from the center to the other. And the reason that we do that is simply because that is exactly what has been done for us. We were the other, and Jesus came to where we are to show us his love and do everything that was needed for us to be fully welcomed and included. And so as God's children, as God's people, the way of Jesus is to move out to anyone that is at a distance from us, to anyone that is othered, othered by us maybe personally, but othered by our culture, othered by history, othered by our church, othered by broken ways that are not the way of Jesus, and that the invitation for us as God's people is to find those who are othered and move to them, full of love, ready to serve, ready to follow the example of Jesus. And so I'm going to look together at John 13 now. I told you we we're going to move to the basin, and we want to spend a few minutes um, reading through these verses when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Because this is a beautiful place where Jesus is showing his disciples and then showing us what it looks like to become a servant, what it looks like to move to the other in a way that is giving up any kind of central authority or power as part of it. So in John chapter 13, we're going to start reading at verse 3. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around himself. And we'll just skip down then to verse 12 after he has a little conversation with Peter in the middle. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus does a beautiful, full teaching picture here of what it means to enter into the role of being given and actually models that for the disciples by doing it himself. He starts by saying he knows that he has all of the authority, literally all of the authority in the world. Everything is central to Jesus. And he gives this example of how he is going to step back from what that could entitle him to and instead take on the role of a servant, someone who would have been othered in their culture at this time, not seen, not recognized. He's going to take on that role. He's going to put on that clothing. He's going to take on that posture. And then he's going to enter into this physical act of meeting a bodily need that they have to serve them, to serve them. And then he's going to say to them, this is how I'm showing my love and care for you, and this is how you can show my love and care to the world. I'm doing this for you. 
Now you follow my example and do this for others. When we serve others, it undoes a self-focused living that we can be prone to. If we're not practicing the opposite, the default will be that we worry more about ourselves. But Jesus says, the way that I have for you is to see the needs of others and move to them. And that as you live in this way, in this sacrificial way, that you can trust that I will provide what you need and I will also give you what you need in order to serve others and love them well. It undoes any kind of us and them distance between ourselves and other people and moves us towards the love that Jesus so longs for us to both experience and share. Sometimes when we give, we can have good intention, but we can still do it from a distance. Sometimes we want to stay over here and just give (laughs) to the other from far away. And I think Jesus' invitation, the lifestyle and way of Jesus, is that we need to be moved, that there is a sacrifice involved. There's discomfort. And maybe we're really not sure if it's going to be okay when we start into it. Maybe we can feel uh, our anxiety rising again about, oh, some of these things that sound nice, but... I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to enter into that space, and I can feel it in my body that there is tension rising as I do not like what is being asked of me. And again, we want to remember who it is that's asking and why he's asking and how he will be with us as we move into these places where we feel the invitation of his way. We like the idea of the life of Jesus, But maybe we're not always sure about saying yes to the lifestyle. But thank goodness Jesus is right there with us as he asks, alongside us, showing us how, giving us the example, inviting us to say yes to him again. So we want to pause for a minute to feel it in our bodies again. The difference. Maybe we feel the tension of this sort of ask, this sort of practice of being given, and we're not sure. Or maybe we are longing for this, but we actually just don't know how to go about doing it. We get overwhelmed in our head as we're trying to think about what this could actually look like in the lived-out rhythms of our lives. And so we want to pause just for another minute again. So I invite you again to just close your eyes if you feel comfortable. I invite you to open your hands up on your lap or in the air as a physical representation of being given, of being ready to offer what we have to serve others. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Turn our attention to how God is with us as we are talking about these things, as we are listening to the invitations that he has on our lives. ask the question of what would a rhythm of moving towards the other look like in your week? How could you create space to be actively serving those who are around you? And can you picture someone in your mind who is the other in your life right now. Maybe it's someone specific that you know. 
Or maybe it's a group of people that you would kind of rather keep at a distance. And whoever's coming to mind, I wonder if you can ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what it would look like to say yes to practicing moving towards that person or that group. trusting that he will never leave you alone in that for a minute. Friends, I would encourage you as we go about our week then to just come back to maybe to these bodily rhythms to remind ourselves Come back to the questions, come back to the space, and and give more room to pay attention to what the Spirit wants to say to you personally, to the invitations that are in front of us as individuals, but also as a group, to live into these rhythms of rest for our souls and the serving of the other in our lives. We want to look back then at these verses in Romans chapter 12 that we started with just for a minute to reorient ourselves there as we move towards the end. Back to Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to read these two verses again. Hear them afresh. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In case it needs to be said, these are not rhythms that I know how to do well. (laughs) This is not something um, that I... Yeah, live into regularly. My children will tell you. We don't, we don't Sabbath super well in our house. Um, and even as I talk about these things to you, very much I can feel myself as a grade nine student in drama class thinking, is this a good idea? <laughs> is this an okay thing? Or is this going to go terribly wrong? But at the same time, I know with so much confidence Who is asking this of me? And I see the way that Jesus modeled this for us in love. And I really believe that when he says this is the way that he has for us to live into, that we can trust that, that we can move towards that with his help, and that as we do that, it will be so good. It will be so good. It will be so good for us. It will be so good for us (laughs) as we do that together. And so whatever rises in you as we talk about these things, I pray that we will continue to bring it to God, that we will say, this is where we really are, and we don't really know what to do, but we want to pay attention to the invitations that you are putting in front of us, and we want to say yes to living in the way of Jesus. To close our time, I want to just read some verses to us from Isaiah 58. 
totally different chunk of the Bible, but I was amazed this week about how right here in Isaiah 58 is the same kind of instruction laid out together of being given and of practicing Sabbath. And so let's hear these words again as a gentle but significant invitation from God about how he asks us to live in the sacrificial way. Starting in verse 6. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. He will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance that he has promised. The Lord has spoken. Amen. Amen.